Well, in light of um, our gospel reading, particularly what Jesus says about a person constructing a tower, that they would first sit down and calculate the cost and make sure that they're able to do the things that they need to do. I want to give you two updates, and then we'll go into the homily. The first is about our construction. Phase one of our building project is complete. The renovation in our school and also our Lamy Center, our parish center, were completed during the summer break for our schools and for you. Included in the renovations were two new kindergarten classrooms and a media center and what used to be the downstairs school cafeteria. The addition of two new office spaces in the lower level of the Lamy Center, a new art room and the expansion of the school music room in what was the multi-purpose room. The reorientation and redesign and also renovation of Johnson Hall, our main parish hall, and the addition of a commercial use kitchen that's now attached to it for use for the school as a student cafeteria space during the day and for the use of the parish during the weekday evenings, also the afternoons and the weekends for all kinds of parish activities. The old school library was converted into two meeting spaces that are now the Mary Room and the Joseph Room. And the second floor of the school now contains a shared classroom space for use of all grades for our STEM so we can continue to expand our academics into science, technology, engineering, and mathematic purposes. Um, some of our rooms, like the Mary and Joseph room, the old library, is still now, it's been renovated, but we still have to clean the books out and move them down to the media center. So a few of the rooms we're still working on, but they've been done. And um, after the Mass, for anyone who would like, um, I, I and a couple of other parishioners are going to be leading tours through these spaces so you can see them with your own eyes. Just uh, meet us over in the Johnson Hall after the Mass. Phase two of the construction project is underway and moving right along. We are on track and scheduled to be completed by the spring of 2020. The new Faith and Family Center, uh, the brand new building that we're working on over the building, uh, over the, across the road, will include a second social hall um, that will seat about 100 um, a smaller meeting space, which can be oriented to fit 40 people or two groups of 20, and a smaller sitting um, meeting room that will seat up to about 20. Um, the building will also contain a warming kitchen off, in the, off of the social hall. There'll be four offices and an additional shared office space, and then there'll be more um, storage space. And then finally, um, about our campaign, we are close to being finished with our second phase of the of three phases to our capital campaign. It's called the major gift phase. And we're exactly where we need to be as far as um, people who are giving. Um, our, our third phase, which is called the parish-wide phase, will begin in January. And I want to thank all those who have made pledges so far. And if you haven't heard from us, um, you will in the future. That's the first update. The second update has to do with our brand new Catholic outreach ministries to people in need 
It's called Calm Catholic Outreach Ministries. So, um, as with all things, we you know, whenever you do something new like this, or there's a shift, there's always questions. I've gotten some really good questions. I want to address the three most common questions and give answers. These are brief. First question: Will uh, where will the money that parishioners give to our monthly Calm collections go? Answer. 100% of the money that you give as a parishioner to Calm will remain local here in our own town and will go to assist uh, people in need such as gaf- gas cards, utilities, rent, groceries, and so on. And along those lines, the second question is, what about the St. Vincent de Paul homeless shelters, um, the St. Vincent de Paul food pantry, and the St. Vincent de Paul thrift store? Uh, will we continue to support them through our monthly collection? The answer is yes. As in the past, 10% of our monthly um, calm collections will go to people in need. Particularly, it will go to these local outreaches. And so that they, with us, can continue to help people in need in our area. Um, number three, uh, what about the new initiatives that calm is starting? Will any of the monthly collections go to them? No, we're doing that in a different way. So for instance, the bike ministry that we just did was to raise bikes, not money, that went to local people who do not have cars. We are working towards the possibility of rehabbing a house in the neighborhood around us and then getting a homeless family into it. Uh, We will ask our parishioners to put in their time and their talents to help with this rehab sweat equity, but not financial equity. We would therefore not use calm money, but seek other sources of funds to help with this project uh, to help the homeless. Uh, we will start doing mission trips, hopefully within the next year, from our parish to an underdeveloped country to help the poor beyond our town and poor that are in dire need in other parts of our world. But the parishioners that choose to go on this mission trip will raise their own money. And we're learning from other parishes how to do this. So money will not come from the monthly calm collections. And then finally, here's something that you should know. Several of our parishioners from Calm are spending this weekend at a conference here at our parish. It's a two-day conference being trained along with many of our other parishioners on how to pray with people who are in need of our prayers. Learning how to pray into their needs rather than just use a rote prayer. And how to share faith and evangelize people in need. Calm members will now be uh, praying into the spiritual needs, sharing faith, and evangelizing people in our city as they also go out to meet them and care for their material needs. Our calm collection will be after this Mass. Okay, everyone, please stand. Stretch. All right, go ahead and sit back down. Now for the homily. In today's gospel from Luke 14, Jesus says something shocking, certainly out of character for the Son of God. This is what he says. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Hate? Is Jesus 
really telling us that in order to be his disciple, we have to hate our family members? No. Hate is not primarily a feeling word in the Aramaic language and culture, the language that Jesus spoke. It is primarily a priority word, not a feeling word, a priority word. It means to abandon or to leave aside something in favor of another thing. The way a sailor needs to abandon a sinking ship to survive. Or the way a general needs to leave aside distracting things to win the battle. This understanding of the word hate could certainly help many haters in our day and age. From the cultural language of Jesus' day, then Jesus is telling us that in order to be his disciples, we must, he must be our top priority. Even before our family members, even before ourselves. We must set aside those persons and things we love the most, including ourselves, to focus first and foremost on Jesus. In other words, we must love Jesus first. With our whole hearts and minds and souls and our strength, and yes, with our time. So that we can more properly and fully love the persons and things of this world, including ourselves. Since Jesus uses this image of family, let's stay with it for a moment. When we truly love a person, like, say, a lover or a, a spouse or, or, or a small child, what do we do as a result of being in love with this person? We love them with everything that we've got. We surrender ourselves to them. We give ourselves over to them. We sacrifice ourselves for them. And we say that we would die for them. And, of course, we spend time with them. Well, what we do in our human-to-human -human relationships with persons with whom we are in love, this is what Jesus is asking from us in our human-to-divine relationship. He's asking us to give him all that we've got, to surrender ourselves to him, to sacrifice ourselves for him, yes, to die to ourselves for him, and yes, to spend time with him. The result then is that when we develop and mature our relationships with God in this manner, he gives us all that we need in order to love and serve the ones who mean the most to us in this world and in a way that they most deserve. We love them then, not with our own human love alone, but with the divine love that we receive from our relationship with God. They deserve more than our human love. They deserve divine love from us. Said succinctly, there is a cost to discipleship. The cost is putting God first. But there's also a payoff to disciple. And what a payoff. It is possessing all that we need to give the most and best 
to our loved ones. And not only while in this world, but to give them the divine love that they will need to enter into and to experience eternal happiness with God in heaven. And here's the thing. That's what we want for our loved ones. We want their happiness. So shouldn't we want their happiness forever? Furthermore, God will expand our love so that we are loving more than just those who are near and dear to us. Our love will come from his love. Then we will be capable of loving and serving many other people more than just those who are nearest to us. This is discipleship. The cost of it and the big payoff. Today is our parish's launch of our stewardship of time drive. As you know, we've completely redid the way that the landscape of how we are stewards here at this parish. We have three times per year now where we remind you from the scriptures that we're all stewards of what God has given us. We're stewards of treasure, yes, but we're also stewards of time and stewards of the talents and the gifts that God has given us. As God's stewards, we are to use wisely and generously all that God has given us for the good of his mission through our church here at St. Francis de Sales and through the lives of so many others. So, for instance, later in the fall, we'll do our stewardship of treasure, what we call our offertory drive. When we commit to the work of the Lord in his church, our support from the financial blessings that God has given to us. In the spring, we will do our stewardship of talents drive, or the service drive. When we'll commit to the works of the Lord and his church, our support from our many talents and skills for the good of our parish and for the good of others. But how can we be good stewards of our treasures and our talents unless we're first and foremost good stewards of our time? How can we give as stewards unless we're also receiving as stewards by using our time. Being a good steward of our time following in today's gospel means giving God our time. Spending time with God. Making choices and taking actions to feed ourselves spiritually with God's love and investing in our relationship with God so that we fall more and more deeply in love with Him. And then it's from this intimate love of Jesus that we are not only better able to love and care for those that mean the most to us, we are also better able to be stewards of God's mission here in our parish and in our city and through the world. Along these lines then, in your pews you'll find brochures and commitment cards. Please find them and pass them to everyone in your pews. And if for some reason there's not enough there, please just tap the person on, behind you or in front of you and ask them to share with you from behind or in front. Please uh, review now the brochure with me. 
Afterwards, I'll ask you to take home a brochure and a commitment card, pray about it, check your heart, check your calendar, and fill it out with at least one opportunity to give your time to God through growing in your spiritual life and relationship with Him this year. Then bring your commitment card with you next weekend for our parish's Stewardship Time Commitment Sunday. Okay, let's start with the youth. This will be brief. Looking at our brochure, there are multiple ways our kids can spend more time with God and fall more in love with Him. First, Disciple Me is our K-5 through elementary faith formation where our kids will grow spiritually in a faith-filled and fun environment. Number two, Signs of Grace is for the children to prepare for the Sacrament of Reconciliation and Holy Communion. Number three, Elevate is for our middle schoolers. We are no longer doing PSR for our middle schoolers, but it's more like youth group. The teens, yes, they're being catechized, they're learning the faith, but they're also being evangelized and having many experiences that will help them encounter Christ. Number four, chosen, is for the teens who are preparing to receive confirmation. It's not what a lot of us grew up with, a snoozy sacramental prep class but offers a relevant and dynamic teaching and small group discussions that ready our young people for maturing in the Christian life as they head into high school. And number five, Summit is our top-notch high school youth group, which, cont- which continues to change and evolve to become the best that we can offer. The teens who attend regularly absolutely love it. The topics presented and the discipleship group discussions are so applicable to where high school schoolers are today, helpful in navigating life at their age and falling in love with Christ as they ready themselves for young adulthood. And let me say this and let me say it clearly. It's for public school high school kids and it's for Catholic high school kids. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Great. Adults. The day is done when we take care of our kids' religious education, but we do nothing for our own spiritual lives. Let that day be done. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Putting Christ first, having an intimate relationship with Him, is a lifelong endeavor. And thus, we also need to spend time with Him on a regular basis as adults. Not just gain a bunch of head knowledge about God or think an hour out of 168 hours in every week is enough for God or enough for us. But an intimacy with God that is life-forming and life-transforming. Here are multiple ways, opportunities to give God more of your time with St. Francis here as we encounter Christ together. Number one. The best way to spend time with Jesus, either one-on-one with him in our weekly adoration chapel, or you can do it with others in a community monthly adoration service, which we now do also um, monthly. We bring an extra priest, and we do a monthly um, reconciliation service for those who can't get here on a Saturday afternoon. And that's all combined in uh, worship experience with worship and praise music before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Number two, ask. A couple times a year, come and ask your questions about faith and find answers. Number three, Alpha is our gateway experience into the culture of the new evangelization. Everything we're doing here is under the new evangelization. 
the way through it first is through Alpha. It will help spark or re-spark a love for God. You'll meet other seekers. You'll grow in friendship and community. It's an opportunity to bring others into the faith or deeper into faith. Our approach is me plus three. Me, I'm going, and I'm going to invite and bring three others. We want all of our, experience, all of our parishioners to experience Alpha. Number four, belonging is for parents who are having their children baptized. It's no longer a baptism prep class. It is helping them grow in faith. Number five, beloved, is for engaged and married couples. It is a series of date nights helping couples grow more in love with each other in Christ. And what's not in here is our mentoring couple, where engaged couples now come and not for one meeting get a little prep with the priest, but meet with engaged married couples who have been trained to do marriage ministry one-on-one called marriage mentoring or couple-to-couple mentoring. And they meet with them over the course of six to eight months. And all the studies are showing that parishes that turn to that model with an objective tool and marriage mentoring, they're reducing the likelihood of divorce by more than half the national divorce rate. And so we've implemented that. Uh, The timeline, the Bible timeline, it's new for this year. It is the best way to review the entire Bible in one study. Upon completion of this Bible study, for the first time in your life, you'll have a good grasp of the Bible from start to finish. This is, hands down, my favorite parish Bible study. Number seven, mom's morning out is for moms to move closer to other moms, God, and their own families. Number eight, Pints with Padre is our young adults group. We meet at the rectory to discuss topics that are relevant to millennials. Friendships are formed, and the Christian life is more satisfying encountering Christ together. We do all this over a meal. Number nine, RCIA, is for seekers who want to learn about Catholicism or want to become Catholic. Number ten, Seeds of Faith, is our Sunday morning between masses Bible study. So if you're interested in that, you come right after the 8 o'clock Mass, finishes up, and you stay until the 1045, and then you come over here. And number 11, That Man Is You is new this year for our parish. This is our new discipleship groups for men. Breakfast, community of brothers, and the Bible study with tons of scientific data and research, faith and reason together, all contributing to helping to form men that become men of God together. Number 12, The gift of being grand are for our mature adults to help them grow in faith together so that they can help their adult children and grandchildren on their spiritual paths. Number 13 is walking with purpose. Walking with purpose is the nation's top women's Bible study. Last year we had over 130 women involved and there's plenty of room for you. Joining this study and discipleship group is changing the lives of the women in our parish and creating all kinds of friendships that our women in our parish never had. Number 14, Fruit of the Vine is our parish's prayer group. It is lively and filled with on-fire Christians who want to worship and praise our God and grow as they explore biblical teachings. Number 15, Prayer Teams have been formed to pray with, for, and over others at a variety of religious and spiritual services throughout the year. Help others grow in faith through their prayer.
In today's gospel, Jesus says something shocking in order to get our attention. Here's what he says. God comes first. This is the cost of discipleship. But there's a big payoff to discipleship too. When we are good stewards of our time, when we choose to spend time with Jesus, the one that we should love the most in this world, then he transforms us and gives us all that we need to better and more fully love those who are near to us, let alone care for other unknown people who will need our love and service. The best of both worlds. This is discipleship. So take a brochure and a commitment card home with you today, and this week pray, check your heart, check your calendar, then make a decision and a commitment to grow in your faith and fall in love with Jesus more this year. We know that you're living busy lives. We all are. So we're not asking you to do several discipleship opportunities in one year. Rather, choose the amount that you're able to sustain, even if it's just one offering this year. Then come next weekend with your commitment card, ready to respond to Jesus' call to put him first. Let me end with this story. A friend told, uh, this, told me this past week about an interview that former OSU football coach Urban Meyer gave on 610 AM radio. So I went and looked it up and listened to it. It's about Cardell Jones. At the start of the 2014 football season, OSU had three quarterbacks. The first stringer was Braxton Miller, JT Barrett was the second string, and Cardell was the third string. Cardell, as Urban called him on this uh, 6, 10 a.m. interview, called him a knucklehead. He kept making bad personal choices and just didn't have the right attitude. Urban worked with him, so did the other coaches and staff. But since he was a third stringer, the coaches weren't too worried for the team. Then Braxton Miller got injured, and he was out for the season. JT Barrett stepped up and did marvelously. However, during the Michigan game, he got hurt. So the third-string knucklehead quarterback became the starter quarterback going into the championship games. OSU barely wins the Michigan game. And then they have to play a tough Wisconsin team who has the best defense at that time in the nation for the Big Ten championship in order to make it to the NCAA championship. Something happens to Cardell as he takes the reins of the OSU football team. He becomes a team player for the first time in his college career. The team then rallies behind him, and he puts them before himself. OSU slaughters Wisconsin 59 to nothing. Then OSU has to play the number one team in the nation, Alabama, in the semifinals of the NCAA championship game. Again, Cardell leads his team by putting the team before himself. They beat Alabama. In the NCAA championship game with Oregon, Cardell leads his team to a decisive victory and the national championship title. The next day, Coach Meyer goes up to Cardell in the morning over breakfast and he says, what in the world just happened? 
Cardell, with a big smile on his face, says, I solved the mystery, coach. All season long, you kept telling us that we needed each of us as individuals to solve the mystery. You told us again and again, if you want to be great, put others before yourself. If you want to be a great husband, put your wife before yourself. If you want to be a great wife, put your husband before yourself. If you, if you want to be a great father or a mother, put your children before yourself. If you want to be a great player, you put your team and your teammates before yourself. Cardell continued, So coach, I took a chance that in order to be a great quarterback and a leader of this team, I needed to put my team and teammates before myself. I finally figured it out. I solved the mystery. I could not let Braxton Miller and JT Baird down. I could not let my teammates down. I could not let you and the coaches down. So I put them first. I put them before myself. I love that story. Let's not let our spouses down. Let's not let our children down. Let's not let our parents down. Let's not let this parish down. Let's not let other people who will need us down. Let's not let God who has a mission for each of us and as a parish down. Let's each of us solve the mystery of humanity. Let's put God first. As we strive for greatness in this world and greatness in the Christian life, Let's put God before ourselves and become the disciples and disciple makers God is calling us to be with his help as we live our Christian life together in Christ. Let's choose at least one thing this year to put God first. Then let God teach us how to better put others before ourselves. All others that he will call us to serve and lead closer to him. This is the cost of discipleship, but man, does it have a huge payoff and one that is far better than OSU winning a national championship.